Well, good morning. Whoa, that's on, isn't it? Okay, remind you of a couple rules. What does it mean when a pastor looks at his watch? <coughs> Nothing. Okay, we want to keep that one in mind. And um, I don't get this opportunity often, but uh, I appreciate the, the opportunity of being here today. And uh, I hope we get something out of this. I got something out of it, but uh, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we just ask, Lord, for this message that you would uh, just guide our hearts, direct us, and give us your strength as we listen to it, Lord, and uh, that these words would be your words that you would like us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody have any friends? <laughs> Few of us have friends, right? How many have two friends? Three? 27? No? Paul mentions in Romans chapter 16, 26 particular people that... Um, he declares his love and appreciation for. And in fact, we'll find nowhere else in the Bible where these many people are mentioned. Um, chapter 16 is, is probably the most extensive and, and uh, intimate uh, comments about Paul's friends. These people were very important. These people were very important and instrumental in the church in Rome. Uh, these were, uh, to equate it to life today, his Facebook page, so to speak. The people that, that were incredibly important. Information about these people is limited in the Bible, uh, we don't have a lot, but we do have writings from early church fathers. Uh, we get clues about them from their names. Consider the situation they were in. The year is A.D. 55-56, somewhere around there. Nero has just become or just will become the emperor of Rome. And one thing about Nero is he hated Christians. He was a young man. He reigned for over 40 years in Rome. And the persecutions that were about at that time were tremendous. We've all seen or heard pictures of Christians being thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. We've heard of crosses that lined streets in Rome. It was a horrible time for Christians. Because of that persecution, scholars believe that these names of these people perhaps were not their real names. It's like a nickname. Okay? How many guys had a nickname growing up? How many like Big Ed still have a nickname? Or Gordon, I call him Sound Man. 
or Mike, I call him the grumpy neighbor. <laughs> Just teasing, Mike. It's, it's, I don't mean that at all. People were given a birth name. And then as they were growing up, they were given another name that, that kind of described them. According to Hippolytus, who was a, I'll mention him again, but he was a, a writer, one of the early church fathers in the first and second centuries. This list of people that Paul uh, has here contains a great diversity of people. They weren't all like him. They were people from all backgrounds, all walks of life. Some were very wealthy. Some were very poor. Some lived off the scraps. Some paid to have the scraps cut away from their regular food. Some were from Africa. Some were from Persia. Some were Jews. Some were Gentiles. People from all walks of life. And so Paul starts out, Romans 16, verse 1, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been benefactor of many people, including me. So she was a sister in Christ, a sister not in the flesh, but a sister in Christ. And that's how we should be looking at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll get to another phase of that later that you're probably not going to appreciate, but we'll, we'll continue on. Uh, the verse says she is a deacon in the church of Centuria. Now this is before the official office of deacon uh, was in the church. The term deaconos is, is the Greek, and I know because I lived for a year and a half in Greece and I have a little bit of knowledge about it. I remember one phrase, then That means I understand nothing. Out of the 29 times this word appears in the Bible, this is the only place the NIV translated, translates it as deacon. Every other time it's servant or attendant. But I think it's special because she was special. Paul wrote this letter from Corinth. Corinth was about 40 miles from Centuria. And it's important to note that he gives her um, in verse 2, this, uh, these instructions about her because she is the one who carried the letter from Corinth to Rome. Persecution of Christians. Dangerous travels. The hotels, so to speak, of that day were not great places. Think of the saloons in the Old West. They were those kind of places. Not a great place for a lady by herself to be traveling through and staying at. 
So this was a bit of an introduction of her saying, take care of her. Find a friend to stay with, a friend of a friend to stay with. These are her credentials. We don't know anything else about Phoebe except her name means bright. And she must have been. She worked hard for the Lord in everything that she did in the church. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Now, two very special people to Paul, mentioned five times in the New Testament. Five times, that's quite a bit. They were an interesting couple. Priscilla, my wife will be happy to hear this because our daughter is named Priscilla, is a royal Roman name, a name preserved for royalty in Rome. Aquila was a Jewish name, very common name. Lots of people named Aquila. It's like Fred or Jim or, I hate to say Mike again, but Mike. You know? <clears throat> they met on the southern shore of the Black Sea. Now, my romantic mind, I, I picture this setting. She's a royal princess sent to the, north, to the bottom end of the Black Sea because maybe she just didn't fit in well with the royalty in Rome. Maybe she did something wrong. Maybe she just didn't buy all the stuff they were pushing. Maybe she was just taking a vacation. We don't know. We don't know. But there, she sees this working man. In the sun, tanned, working with his hands, a very common guy, and she fell in love. Now, isn't that a romantic picture? The maybe bad girl from Rome falls in love with this Jewish tent maker. Be clear, no Roman would ever allow his princess daughter to speak with, let alone marry, a Jewish person. It just wouldn't happen. When she did that, she became an outcast to her family. She had to have been in love, right? She had to have. Hippolytus, I mentioned him before, he tells us that uh, they left the area. Probably Romans were hot on their trail. Uh, they came to Corinth, snuck back into Rome for a while, and then back to Corinth where Paul found him. Acts 18.2 says he found a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Uh, and he came to them, and so because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And then on in chapter eight, Acts 18, it says, Paul still remained a good while 
And he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Paul says, The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord. Awesome people. They had a church in their home. Next, meet my dear friend Eponidas, who is the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. NIV translates agape. Still have trouble with certain Greek words, you know. Agapateos. And this in following verses is dear friend. Most other places it's translated beloved. From a dear friend to a beloved person is a pretty good step. But he was the first convert in Asia. Think about Turkey today. And his name itself means praiseworthy. So he was somebody who did things within the church that if you if if we don't let our pride get to us, we would just consider it to be praiseworthy. He's a good man to watch. Greet Mary, who worked hard for you, Romans 16, 6. Mary, Maria in the Latin, and it's in the Latin. The name means um, one not to go with the flow. Vocal, focused, unmoved. You might call her a tea party member of the day or something along those lines. She was a person who would correct wrong thinking very quickly. And she would not put up. Why, does that remind us of a Mary in the church? Tell me quick. <laughs> Sorry, Mary, are you, is it a Jewish name or a Latin name that you carry with you? I, just wondering. <laughs> she was a person who would correct wrong thinking quickly, and she would not put up with any nonsense. Just like my mother. <laughs> 17. Greet Andronicus and Hunia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Andronicus, the name, indicates as a man of victory and overcomer. And it seems like he had to overcome a lot of things in his life. Whether he was short and stocky like me and didn't draw a lot of attention. Whether he was uh, perhaps handicapped in some way, we don't know. But he was an overcomer, an achiever for Christ. And unfortunately, he had spent some time in prison. According to Hippolytus, he was one of the 70 that was sent out in the book of Mark. 
And then there was Hunius, a female prisoner at some time, and her name means youthful. Could be that they were husband and wife. We don't know for sure. But if they were in prison together at the same time as Paul, and remember, Paul was in prison so many times for the sake of Christ. They endured much for the cause of Christ. 16, greet, greet Ampelitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Ampelitus. Hey, big guy. The term is, we, we get the word ample from. But Ampelitus lends the idea that he was more than ample. He was a big guy. When I think of him, I, 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 has anybody here seen that old Popeye movie with Robin Williams and, and um, uh, Shelley Duvall? And then a guy named, where was it? Paul Smith, who played Bluto. Huge. Do you remember the song Olive sang about him? And he's large. <laughs> he was a big guy. He was important to the church, not only because of Paul's mention of him here, but in the catacombs of Rome, at the very beginning of the catacombs, uh, the very first um, graves that were there, there is one in particular that's larger than the others. It bears his name. And that he was a leader of the church. Another guy I like is Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. You guys know the type. Well, we're country folk out here for the most part. You know of the type. We get the word urban from this. A man of the city. You know the type. And if we saw him today, I would see him in one of three ways. First, the slicked down, perfectly dressed businessman working in the financial district. This guy would have every stitch in his robe perfect. He bought it at the Nero Marcus department stores. <laughs> his hair was perfectly finished with goat fat to hold it in his place, and his sandals were custom made. That's one view I have of him. Another view from my earlier life, not that I ever did this, but I saw it a lot, working in construction, being in downtown areas, as some guy with a big old boom box on his shoulder, strutting down the street, and all you hear was boom, boom, boom from the thing. But he knew what was going on, a man of the city. And then maybe more of a modern looking guy, a guy who wears a skinny robe, You've seen the guy with skinny jeans these days? It's, you know, how can you possibly work in those? 
You know, it's so tight he can't bend over and he's got his eye rock in his hand looking at his schedule for the day or responding to a text or something, you know. But a man who worked for Christ And my dear friend Statius, Statius' name is Greek. He's said to be one of the 70 that was sent out uh, that we see in Luke. He eventually became the bishop of Byzantium, which is currently the city of Istanbul. His name is uncommon. It's been found in inscriptions that tie him back to the royal household. The name means, are you ready for this? Ear of corn. (laughs) I got nothing on that one, folks. Nothing. (laughs) Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. I hope that one day... Something like that could be said about us. I pray that something like that could be said about me. His fidelity or his faithfulness to Christ stood the test. Persecution, prison, we don't know, but his faith was strongly tested. The worst test we get with our faith is what? Well, Lord, I really don't want to witness to that guy. I don't feel uncomfortable. It's not good. I can't do that. That's sometimes what our worst one is. His withstood the the test. Could we maintain our Christianity if we're thrown in prison for being Christians? And all we got to do to get out is denounce Christ. He stood the test. Greet those who are the household of Aristobulus. Aristobulus was a grandson of the Herodians who lived in Rome. He did not have his grandfather's horrible rep, as Urbanus would say. Um, He was a good guy for the most part. He was a friend to the Emperor Claudius. But when Aristolobulus died in Rome, his slaves would have reverted back to the emperor under the collective name of the household of Aristobulus. It's good to know that there were Christians in the royal household. People who could talk about faith and convert others. I think about Paul... who when he went to prison, he converted half the guards there with his preaching. These people were in a prime place to change the world. Eventually it happened, but not at this time. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Herodian was not a noble like Herodias, but a common man's name. It means heroic. If it was a nickname, to me it means that he did something pretty awesome, 
pretty heroic. There's an incident in Acts where Paul escaped a crowd set to kill him. Hippolytus tells us that Herodian was one of the guys who helped him escape. That's a pretty cool thing. Here's a prisoner for Christ that's about to be killed and you help him escape. Not thinking about yourself at all. That's pretty heroic. My least favorite guy, second least favorite guy I mentioned here is the next verse, greet those who are the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Now Narcissus, like the household of Aristotle, that, 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 that other guy I just talked about, you can laugh if I stumble over names. It's not a problem. I'm not offended. Um, these were the former slaves of him. Now, he was an interesting character. He was chief scribe for the emperor Claudius. And it's from his name that we get the term narcissistic, self-absorbed. It's all about me. He controlled, as chief scribe, all the information, petitions, requests that went before Claudius. And you know what he did? He charged for those. He already got paid by the Roman government, but you had to bribe him to get something before Claudius. He didn't care what they were. He just made sure that he got paid. Nero caught on to this little scam of his when he became emperor. And before Nero could put him to death, he committed suicide. Which means in the house of Narcissus that became part of Nero's slave enclave, so to speak, there were Christians. How could we go into such a corrupt government and maintain our Christianity? Look at some of the ancient Christian fathers' writings and you'll see. It was absolutely amazing what these people did to not only maintain their Christianity, but to present the message of Christ. My two favorites... Tryphena and Tryphosa. Now, excuse me, I got a bum leg and I got to get off of it every once in a while. Um, it says they work hard, and in the Greek it means they really worked hard. They labored to the point of exhaustion. But their names also indicate something special. I worked with Andrew and Adrian. Uh, back in New Mexico. And they were brothers who were two out of a set of triplets. Triplets like Tryphena and Tryphosa, as their name indicates. And you know how identicals are? Identical twins when you see them? Adrian and his brother would come up to me 
And the only way I could tell them apart was that one was in charge of the cabinet shop and the other one was a project manager on, on one of the construction projects we did, actually on several of them. But I could only tell them apart when they talked about what their schedule was or what they had to do. And it's like, you don't even know which one of us you're talking to. You can't tell us apart, can you? You're just looking at us like, what? And I can see Tryphena and Tryphosa greeting people at the door of the church. Am I Tryphena or am I Tryphosa? You can't tell us apart, can you? Which one am I? Call me by my name. Go ahead. <laughs> the name means dainty and delicate. But they worked hard for the glory of God. And I'm sure that Paul, every time he thought about them, he got a chuckle in his heart. They were just having fun. Greet my dear friend, Persius. Another woman who worked very hard in the Lord. One of those very hard, those Greek words mean to the point of exhaustion. For the Lord. And not necessarily physically hard, but it could be mentally hard. It could be, I don't know, I get to just... I get just as tired working on the computer for three or four hours as I do working out in the yard for three or four hours. And it's getting worse as I get older. You know, I used to work 10 hours a day, six days a week, come home, rest on Sunday, go to church, and then go back to work. Now I work hard one day, three or four hours, and rest the rest of the week, you know? <laughs> Lots of work in the Lord. Lots of work. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother in mine. Now, first of all, his mother and mine has nothing to do with they were brothers. There are people in, in my life whom I call mom... And my mom passed away a long time ago, but there's still a mom to me. I've adopted a dad in this church since we've been here. Mine died when I was 18 months old, so it's been a while. But my man who's wise and, and uh, just a great guy. But Rufus, this is one of the great stories in the Bible where you see things passed from generation to generation. Imagine you happen to be passing through a town and you were forced to do something absolutely horrible. Something you would never forget as long as you lived. In fact, for thousands of years, your name would be remembered. Does that ring a bell to anybody, Rufus, in that situation? What would it do to your family, your descendants? 
The book of Mark was also written to the Romans. And if you take a quick glance at Mark 15, 21, it says this. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Forced him to carry the cross. It's a man from Africa. Picked up the cross and carried it for Jesus. Pretty amazing. So if one place knew or would know who Alexander and Rufus were, it would be the church in Rome. Their father became a Christian that day, a follower of Jesus Christ. And years later, his boys ended up being the first Christians to teach the gospel in Antioch. And there they ran into Paul. And later in Ephesus, you remember the riot in Ephesus where they wanted to kill Paul? He's helped by a man named Alexander. Could be the same guy. And I jumped ahead of myself. Greet. Man, I said this perfectly last night. <laughs> Asyncritus. Philegan, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. These five people, we all know what the population of Rome was in AD 50, right? Archaeologists estimate, and this is the middle estimate, about a million people directly related to Rome. So when you send a letter to the church in Visalia, it's likely there are a lot of other churches spread around in the same city. These men were pastors, leaders of those churches. Paul says, greet them. Greet Philo... Lord, come on. Greet Philologus and Julia. Philologus means lover of the word. Julia, or Julia, had this uh, French cooking booth in the main market. <laughs> Sorry, I, did, I, I, I couldn't help it. She would... Uh, walk the market and teach people about Christ. Remember, the Romans could come at any time and just kill her. You're teaching about another God. But she did that. Nearest and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Now, Nerus and his sister, 
What's interesting is there was a slave named Nerus who, who personally, he was the chief attendant for a very highly placed political guy named Flavius Dame Clemens and his wife, Domitilia. Nerus' sister served the wife. They were both slaves. And in AD 95, just before Nero died, they were accused of being Christians. Now think about that. 40-some years after this letter was written, two people with the same name, same relationship, served these highly placed political people and those highly placed political people were Christians. Coincidence? I think not. That's a line from an old movie, by the way. Um, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? The effect we can have dealing with people throughout our life. And then Olympus, I don't know anything about her. The name means from heaven. Um, the writers haven't said anything further about her, so we don't know. And then my favorite thing in this whole passage, greet one another with a holy kiss, all the churches of Christ send greetings. Now, are we ready to do that? Greet one another with a holy kiss. I see people just shaking their heads like, no way, that ain't going to happen. We're not going to do that. Well, why not? It's mentioned five times in the New Testament. That's two more times than the Lord's Supper. So why wouldn't we do that? Well, because it was just a thing that they did. It's, it, it's like we shake hands. Or we give a hug. But I taught a men's retreat years ago where that particular church believed that this was a command. I was somewhat embarrassed when 50 grown men wanted to kiss me on the cheek every morning. Uh, shake hands, maybe a hug, but a kiss... You know, in Europe, men kiss each other on the cheek and shake hands and hug. And in Mexico, they shake hands and hug and then shake hands again. And there's all kinds of different cultural things that they do. But trying to be biblical, I made it a point in my life to kiss at least one guy on the hand or the cheek in every church I've visited. Only as a term of endearment or respect. Don't worry, I've already done that in this church. Okay? And the other thing to note is, I've never been hit. Okay? Looking at time, I'm going to skip the next three or four verses and get down to Timothy in verse 21. Verse 21. 
So these guys were with Paul, Timothy. We all know about Timothy. He was a resident of Lystra. Uh, his father was a Greek. His mother was Jewish. He was Paul's traveling companion, an apprentice, a fellow laborer. Uh, eventually, he led the church at Ephesus, and eventually Paul wrote him a couple of letters. So we know about Timothy. From my own life, I want to tell you about Alex. Back in 2002, I was running a construction project down in um, Eastlake, out of San Diego. And we had this young laborer named Alex. He had come from uh, Mexico City, legally. Um, for some reason, he liked me. And he just, I mean, I'd turn around and go, oh, Alex, you're there. You know, he, he was that kind of guy. And uh, he didn't want to hear me anyway. <laughs> I knew this would take extra time. There we go, I think I got it. Until 2006, Alex worked on all my projects. I asked him, what, what's your goal? What do you want to do? He says, I want your job. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty cool. You know, he wanted to advance himself and move up. Um, we moved to New Mexico. Company transferred us out there. And I didn't tell Alex where I was going. But about three weeks after we settled into our home, there was a knock at the door. I opened it, and there was Alex. And he said, Hefe, where'd you go? He lived in our home for a while until he could afford to get his own place. He worked on all my projects, move up from being a laborer to an assistant superintendent. And um, when I retired in 2017, he became a superintendent. And I think a lot about that relationship. Alex and I talk once a week. We kiss on the cheek when we meet each other. I love him that much. He's such a great guy. But I think that's the kind of relationship that Paul and Timothy had. Worked close together, even when they were far apart. Alex will call me these days even, Hefe, what should I do here? And I'll say, do this, 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 and this, I think would be your best course of action. And he says, that's what I thought, I just wanted to check with you. Timothy knew what Paul would say, what Paul would do. And I love the story of their relationship. There was Lucius, a man from Cyrene. Cyrene, once again, is northern Africa. Um, he was a prophet and a teacher at the church at Antioch. Let's see. 
Oh, Lucius, Timothy, my co-worker, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. So Lucius was from Cyrene. Um, Acts tells us now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. You might remember Jason and Sosipater, you remember Jason anyway, from Acts 17 where Jason rescued Paul. Once again, a person putting their life in danger to further the cause of Christ. Then another one of my favorite guys, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Paul had a scribe, basically write the letter, actually write the letter to the Romans. If you don't remember, Paul had bad eyesight. He couldn't see very well up close. His writing was not great. When he wrote uh, to the Galatians in 6.11, he says, Paul said, see what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. So a guy named Gaius allowed slave number three, which is what Tertius means, to write for Paul. And then Gaius is mentioned, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. So Gaius, or Gaius, was a man of Corinth, who was Paul's host at the time, and the local church was held in his home. Gaius is a Roman name, so he was taking a lot of risk doing this. Eurastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. In some places it says, Eurastus, the director of public works, sends his greetings. The Greek clearly indicates that he was a man of great importance holding a high position within the Corinthian government. It also indicates he had to do with financial matters, which could be the public works or whatever. And in the city today, today, in Rome, right, or in Corinth, right now, you can go look at it. There's a big carved stone laying in what would be a sidewalk, which says, Eurastus, in return for his position, laid the pavement at his own expense. So he was a very wealthy man but he was with Paul. And then our brother Quartus sends you their greetings. Quartus could be slave number four. Could be just the name Quartus, four. We don't really know for sure but at least he was there hearing from Paul himself. Anybody here ever wish they could just sit down and listen to Paul in English? You know, I do. I don't have like having all my mistakes corrected as Paul would seem to do or sick Mary on me. But um, 
I don't mean that personally, Mary. I want you to know that. It's just... It's just But that's it, 26 people. 26 people that were incredibly important to the early church. We are here today in part because of the work, the hard work, the exhausting work that those 26 people put into the relationship with the Lord. And that's all I got for today. So thank you very much.